Bonjour, Marie. Oh, bonjour, Jodie. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about teaching abroad. Have you ever fancied it, Marie? Yes, but as you can tell, I'm not multilingual. Um, (laughs) So the the place I was thinking of going to was Australia, and I seriously looked into it. Um, Yeah. But I had a husband at the time, and he wouldn't. You wouldn't come with me, so it's a bit of a non-starter. What about you? Um, I looked into Hawaii and the USA, um, but yeah. I actually did a month teaching in the Netherlands while I was doing my teacher Ooh. training. So as part of my PGCE, I got the opportunity to go teach at an English-speaking school, fully funded because we were their yeah. CPD. Um, so they basically hired us to go and help with their specialist maths language. And so there was a couple of – well, I was the only maths teacher. There was a PE teacher, a business yeah. teacher, English teacher, in fact um, – which was interesting because they were teaching Dutch literature. It was honestly one of the most interesting opportunities just to see different education system was brilliant. It's your own time you're wasting. Ramblings from beyond the classroom with Marie and Jodie. So, as you may have guessed, today we're talking about teaching abroad, uh, and obviously we are not alone today. Yes, we have a guest. Our guest today is Asha Chohan, who is currently working as a history teacher in UAE, but who has just left Italy, and hopefully she's going to tell us all about her adventures. Welcome, Asha. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Anytime. What sort of school do you work in at the minute? Is it an international school? Kind of what's tell us tell us everything okay so at the moment I have just started at a new school in the UAE and it's my first experience of teaching in the UAE and it's a British international school so which broadly means that we follow um, the national curriculum for England during key stage three followed by international GCSE and then A levels or the IB and being a British international school it generally means that you've got some sort of accreditation such as a BSO school which is a British schools overseas or COBIS which is council of British international schools so that's what we really mean by a British international school as it follows Mm -hmm. broadly speaking the British curriculum as opposed to the international or um, American system and what what kind of pupils have you got who are the people that go to an international school so it's a diverse mix of students and that's one of the things that I enjoy about international teaching that you do really get to teach a diverse cohort from people all over the world my particular school um, the demographic tends to be um, students from Egypt India Pakistan um, so mm. it's a really sort of vibrant community of students mm. yeah Sounds it. And do you teach predominantly in English then, or do you have to teach in Arabic, or is it kind of a mixture? Uh, Thankfully, it's all in English. So the students have to follow the the Ministry of Education's um, Mm. rules and regulations, and part of that is Islamic studies, um, and Arabic is part of that. But we've got an Arabic team of teachers to teach that part of the curriculum. Brilliant. Fair enough. So, so there is no necessity to speak um, several languages before you can go and teach internationally, would you say? There isn't, actually. Um, so prior to 
um, teaching in the UAE. I taught in Italy. Um, and for that, um, I did try to learn some Italian. I think I always wanted to work and teach in Italy. So before I moved out there, I took part in a Italian language course of yeah. school hours and tried to sort of pick up my language, because it does help. It helps you of course. with local members of staff, with the students yeah, as well, and also to become part of the community rather mm. than just hanging out with yeah. expats. So it yeah. becomes a more enriching experience, I think, when you try and um, sort of immerse yourself in the culture. Mm. Yeah. So what are the benefits? Because obviously UAE and Italy are both very, very different cultures to here. Kind mm. of what would be, what's, how does that affect your teaching? So... Um, I think from a history perspective, it's when you're designing the curriculum, you also you mm. want to take advantage of the rich mm. local history of, of course, the area yeah. that you're teaching with, particularly somewhere like Italy, like my background's in classics and ancient history, mm. so it was an absolute oh, okay. dream to teach history yeah. in, in Rome. So... Um, you know, the school that I worked in was very near to Ostia Antica, um, which is an ancient wow. archaeological ruins. And mm. so I built a scheme of work around that. So we were able to take our students to visit the site. Oh, amazing. Oh, amazing. And so it's just, it's fantastic from being able to just bring the subject to life, which is what history yeah. is really. Mm. And you know, to actually have you know, take students to the centre of Rome. When I taught the IB, we taught the Renaissance. So we were able yeah. to take students to Florence or to see oh. the Renaissance art in oh, the centre so of Rome and see the exhibits. It was um, it was a really wonderful experience mm. um, and really yeah. enriching. Um, so, so out of interest, did... Because I remember learning, I grew up in Sheffield and we learned about the Industrial Revolution like every other day mm. and the steelworks <laughs> every other day. And we'd go to like a visit for the steelworks. You'd be like, yeah, I've been here every year since I was five. And then latterly, I've told my friends about it who've moved to Sheffield and they're like, oh, this is so interesting. I'm like, do did the Italian students take like all those opportunities kind of for granted for want of a less kind of aggressive word or was oh. did they realize how lucky I think gen- generally speaking the students that I taught were really passionate about their mm. own cultural mm. heritage yeah. and the yeah. rich culture of Italy so they were quite yeah. proud to be studying Italian history and mm. um, and a lot of students interestingly they weren't as aware of ancient Roman history as I thought they would be. Oh, interesting. Um, so that was quite nice getting to explore things with them. And I learned a lot from them as well, mm. just from, mm. you know, sites to visit and um, places which have the best view of the forum to check out. <laughs> So how how did you get into working abroad? What first attracted you to it? Um, So I had predominantly have just worked in schools in Warwickshire prior to moving to to Italy. Mm. And it's in the last couple of my years in the school that I was in, I think for about seven, eight years, um, I introduced classical civilization to the school. As a Mm. part of that, 
we organized the trip to um, Pompeii, to Rome. And I remember just visiting it with the students and just, I just thought, wow, I want to live here. And you have those pipe dreams. Mm. And I thought, you know what? I could actually make it a reality. Mm. So I put things into place. Um, So like I said, I took Italian lessons. Um, I remember actually a member of the site staff at my school, he was Italian. He gave me a few lessons here and there. And then I just decided to go for it. And so I applied for some jobs in Rome and I'd only get so far in the application process. And I thought, you know what? I need to, I need to ask a principal what's wrong with my CV. Mm -hmm. And it was a really useful conversation because he said to me that you need more diverse teaching experience. And so I was thinking, oh, how do I, how do I get that? So I made the decision to have a year out. And in that year, I, um, took a year out traveling around Italy. Um, I did, um, um, a course at some of the language schools in Rome mm. and Florence. It really reinforced my desire to teach out there. And then yeah. I decided to do a CELTA because I felt that that would be a route into the international school. Mm. And what circuit. is that? So a CELTA is, it's like a, a teaching English as a foreign language. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I did that in Birmingham, actually, and it was a five-week intensive course. And it gave me the experience of just teaching nationalities Mm. different from my own. It gave me an insight of what it's like teaching to people whose native language isn't English. And once I did that course, my CV became a bit more desirable. And this opportunity came up to teach um, EFL, so English as a Foreign Language at a school in Puglia. And obviously, I wanted to teach history in Rome, yeah. but this opportunity came up, and I just thought, why not go for it? So mm-hmm. I ended up accepting this job at, in a small little town in Puglia, not really knowing the language, mm-hmm. not really knowing what I was letting myself in for. And it turned out to be mm-hmm. one of the most positive experiences that I've had. I was teaching in the Italian state system, oh, wow. um, so teaching ponds, so the Cambridge um language mm. programs mm, um, yeah. and also doing a little bit of history teaching there as they'd um introduced IGCSE. Right. Um, yeah. And it was a really positive experience, particularly mm. it was a small town where not many people spoke English. So I was mm. forced to learn the language and mm. um the people were incredibly welcoming, made some fantastic friends from that small town. Um and it was just a really positive experience. It's everything that you want from moving abroad, um, meeting new people, immersing yourself in the culture. And yeah. it's interesting to see how history is taught in Ooh. different schools as well, because you take it for granted in the UK that it's all very much skills based. It's all about source analysis, um, investigations, interpretations, critical thinking. Whereas yeah. in Italian schools, it tends to be more sort of um, a chronological um, narration of what happened oh. and sort of memorising key chunks yeah. of history. Oh, interesting. Which 
it's something that we don't tend to do mm. and we sort of sometimes I think we look down on that type of teaching but actually I think there's a lot to be said for that because um, they had a good grasp of knowledge about events which had happened yeah. sequentially yeah. whereas in UK schools we tend to do um, subjects skills based but in terms of the historical mm. periods we do a period in depth so there's mm. lots of gaps yeah yeah for sure um you know we jump from you know, 1066 to mm. you know the 14th century sometimes yeah. without lacking that sort of chronological yeah. understanding yeah. so that was quite interesting as well um and then sort of whilst I was in um, Altamora, which is the town in Puglia, um, I applied for a job at an international school in Rome, okay. visited the school, and I was in two minds because I really loved the town that I lived in. Yeah. But then teaching mm. history in Rome was the dream. Yeah. So yeah. I, I had to accept it. I visited the school and absolutely loved the school. It was it was small. It was um, it had this family um, community environment to it, and um, I was there for four years at the end. Wow. Now here's the sixty four million dollar question: Are you fluent in Italian now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think when I lived in Altamora. My Italian got to quite a good level, mm. and I because it was a case of having to yeah. speak in Italian. I had Italian friends. I communicated with them in Italian, um, and I feel every year that I was in Rome, my Italian got a little bit worse because oh, no. my, my friendship group were mostly expats, mm-hmm. and um, you know. I was busier than I was Um, and so I didn't have as much time to study but it's definitely something which um, I'm still pursuing you know still still have Duolingo on my lap (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um, you mentioned there kind of your friendship groups what's life like outside of the classroom is it easy to socialize and to build a life do you end up just socializing with colleagues and other expats or um so I think in Rome, initially, because you're all in that situation of moving somewhere new, Mm. um, that you do tend to sort of hang around sometimes with your colleagues, particularly if people have moved out here by themselves. Um, And then you go for an after work aperitivo. And from that, you get to meet the, you know, (laughs) meet like minded people and form friendship groups from there. But then there's lots of opportunities to meet people outside of the workplace as well. Um, Lots of, um, you know, language exchange groups that you can meet, meetups. Um, I joined um, an international choir in Rome and um, made a lot of friends from that. So I think if you're proactive, you can make friends outside of work. Mm. Um, at the moment where I am in Dubai, I feel like I'm a university student again because <laughs> they provide the accommodation for you. Um, and we're all sort of all the new teachers are all living in the same apartment block, yeah. knocking on each other's doors <laughs> or <having laughs> coffee. So it's been Oh, that's again. lovely. That was one of the best bits of university. Yeah, yeah. What's on your mind? Let us know your thoughts, ideas and anecdotes. 
drop us a line at beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk. How are you finding the UAE? Is it very, very different to Italy? Um, yes. It is very different. I'm still finding my feet a little bit. It's just been three months that I've been Mm. here Mm. for so far. Do you kind of have to learn about local history? Because I remember kind of speaking to a friend who's a teacher in America and all they taught until high school was American history. Genuinely blew my mind. And by American history, I mean kind of since Columbus to now, not kind of pre-colonization. How they fitted that in over like 11 years, genuinely don't understand. But, <laughs> like, obviously, mostly what we learned at school was British history with a little bit of European history. Yeah. And every so often you got Egyptians thrown in there. Um, yeah. Which, Ancient for Egypt. me, made me think that Egypt was part of Europe until I was about 10. Um, oh, <laughs> I was not the, the brightest. Um, so are you learning local history? Do you feel the need, do you need to teach local history and, and obviously the nation's history? Yes. Um, So when you're devising the curriculum, because we are a British international school, we do sort of look at the British curriculum, but the content has to be relevant to the students that you're Mm. teaching. Um, You know, as much as I love reenacting the execution of Charles I, you know, (laughs) students in the UAE going to enjoy it or find it relevant. So, um, So you pick bits from the UK curriculum, but also merge it with the local history of the UAE and also with the international cohort that you're teaching as well. So we try and build in topics such as the Mughal Empire and we still look at the Renaissance, but we look at it from the perspective of the relationship with the East and the influence that the East had on the European Renaissance and just look at different perspectives a bit more. And that's quite interesting as Mm. well. Um, When you're teaching topics but from students with a different background so their interpretation on things obviously is different so when you're teaching um, Mussolini and fascism in Italy or the reformation in Italy um, or controversial topics like the British Empire to Mm. a cohort of students um, you know who are predominantly Indian, Egyptian, and it's really interesting those debates that you have with them. And that's something which I find really illuminating from teaching mm. internationally, I think. Yeah. The I way bet they it see is. the world, the way they interpret things, the perspectives they have. I imagine I remember one lesson with Musgul, um, where we looked at the Tudors and she had a spinning globe and we looked at what was happening elsewhere in the world mm. at the time that Henry VIII was going through all his different wives. And it was genuinely fascinating because you think about the Tudors and I have a rough timeline in my head of British history. Yeah. Actually, all this other stuff happening exactly at the same time, you kind of, it's easy to forget about and not appreciate that. Yeah. So I guess that internationality is... Yes, and I think sometimes you have a danger of seeing things as isolated topics mm, and you don't exactly. think about things going on simultaneously. So when we're looking at Elizabeth I, you know, she's a contemporary mm. of... Akbar and the Mughal Empire and yeah. that those two periods are coinciding mm. um, I think particularly with the UAE um, the school that I work in actually is in Saja and it's an emirate which is a bit more um, conservative than Dubai so things which be which would be permitted to teach in Dubai aren't necessarily so in Saja. So that's oh, been quite challenging as a history teacher, mm. particularly, you know, 
you want to make the subject relevant and you do that by linking um, things to events which are happening globally, internationally, mm. and those are conversations that, you know, we're not permitted to have. Oh, wow. um, oh interesting. So we have to go through, meticulously go through any textbooks to make sure wow. that there's, um, you know, no references to Israel, for example, or maps, um, can't say the Persian Gulf, but has to say the... Arabian oh. Gulf and just little things like that. Oh, that's um, interesting. And, and that so, comes from the government, those yes, guidelines so and restrictions. Yeah, the government guidelines, yeah. Wow. And which we have to, you know, abide by. Also, um, you know, your standard topics, year nine topics, the interwar years, the rise of mm. the dictators. Um, but we can't teach that either and um the church and which is difficult because even when you're looking at you know the relationship between state and society you can't just Mm -hmm. eradicate the church from that so we just get around it by you know not mentioning anything just saying the church was um a power base and just try and I think as long as you're not sort of promoting ideologies, you can mm-hmm. say the term. You've just got to be very cautious, mm. um, uh, which can be difficult when you're having debates and you're having these key yeah. um, sessions and when students are generally inquisitive and yeah. want to know about events and they ask you questions and, you know, you, you have to stop yourself from answering. And, mm. Yeah, so that's been, that's been a challenge which I didn't really expect as much and is there literally like a list of of guidelines and things you can and can't do list of guidelines yes what can be taught what cannot be taught what's not permitted to be in textbooks um i had um i was teaching a lesson on um um the british empire and there was um you know the famous map of britain from the Mm -hmm. 18th yeah. century um, yeah. and it was showing how the treatment of the indigenous people and some of the ladies mm. were topless I didn't think anything of it and yeah. um, someone yeah. pointed it out so I had to put sort of speech bubbles on the top with these <laughs> questions just to uh, just to hide them So what advice would you offer to UK teachers that are hoping to teach abroad? Is there ways they can research things like this or kind of where do they need to start? Um, so my main advice would be, because it always bemuses me, the amount of people who accept jobs at an international school without having visited the country before. Really? So I think that's really important to visit the country mm. before. And if you can visit the school, mm. because you don't know until you're out there. So I think that's important. Try and research as much as possible. Um, try and learn the language if you can. Um, yeah. You know. Um, yeah, and just sort of try and have that work-life balance, I think, because international mm. teaching is giving you the opportunity to see parts of the world and explore. So it is important to take the time out to do that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to lose that opportunity, do you? No, because otherwise you could be teaching anywhere. Oh, thank you so, so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Asha. Yeah, it's It's... been really nice. Thank you. You've inspired me. me.
Anytime. You're welcome. Oh, wow. That, this has been so interesting, hasn't it? Hasn't it just? It's really fired me up to go and try teaching abroad, which is completely impractical, but sounds really lovely. It's made me want to brush up on my Italian, by which I mean, you know, learn some Italian. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this absolutely fascinating conversation. And thank you, as always, to our guest. Um, If you want to be part of the conversation, don't forget you can email us at beyondmailbag at twinkle.co.uk. And don't forget to like and subscribe and turn on those alerts, etc. So that you know when we're kind of publishing more. This podcast is proudly produced by Beyond. Please bear in mind the views and opinions expressed are those of individuals and may not represent those of Beyond or Twinkle.